Well, good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? How about now? Hmm. Oh, it's not even on. How about that? <laughs> okay, that's why they don't have me on the tech committee. All right. Well, listen, welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We're so glad that you're here. A lot of smiling faces, obviously a lot of conversation going on uh, because we love the fellowship, don't we? This is the Lord's Day. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we just have a great time. And this morning, a very special service as we observe the Lord's Supper. The entire service is integrated together to focus our preparation time. So in just a few moments, I'm going to lead us into a prayer that will uh, help you to prepare your heart if, uh, if you haven't already. Hopefully you have. Um, but just a few announcements because we will end the service um, with no announcements at all. But there are a few things, if you'll look at the back of your bulletin, that, uh, that we'd like for you to remember that are coming up really quickly. The Returning to Holiness study on Wednesday nights at 4 o'clock. It's a great, a great study. We're just one week into it, so you're not too late. So please be mindful of that. I'm um, going to remind you that uh, the Washington Prayer Ministry will launch um, this month. Uh, we have right now about 60 people who take uh, one or more hours every single week. They focus on intercession and prayer. And it is a powerful group. Um, and uh, we start all over again this year. People can re-sign up. There's particular hours you can pick. I'll be talking to you more about that as we get into February. Those are very, very important things. And then our dinner fellowship groups. Um, we'd love for you to sign up for those. All those groups will form uh, in February. They'll go from February to May. If you want to meet about another six or eight people in our congregation, maybe that you don't know, we're going to put those, those groups together at either lobby. There are sign-up sheets. We'd love for you to sign up. We've had uh, somewhere between 60 and, and uh, 65 people uh, this past uh, semester, I'll call it, that have engaged in these fellowship groups. Always a wonderful time, uh, at least for me, because I get to see people, talk to people. I even get to eat, which is, which is not bad at all either. So if you are interested in that, please sign up. And what I would ask you to remember as well as we close the service today is we're taking a benevolent offering that uh, uh, ushers will be at each of our exits. And uh, this offering uh, specifically goes to help uh, people that uh, come across uh, our um, office or our way in ways that we can help, uh, help them. You, you know as well as I do that these are pretty tough times. And uh, even right here in Sun City West, I'm uh, on the, uh, as, as Dick is, on the community fund uh, uh, board. And, uh, the request for help, the request for the Valley View Food Bank, which comes here every Monday in Sun City West, uh, has tripled in just the last two or three years. Uh, people, seniors coming to say, man, we, we just can't make it. So uh, let's be generous, be mindful, as we strive to help with compassionate care in our community. Uh, if you are a guest for the very first time, we'd love for you, if you haven't already, to take the card that is a pew in front of you, if you'd fill out in its entirety, when you get ready to leave, there are offering boxes at every exit. Just drop that guest card in there. That's all we, we ask you to do, and we would appreciate that very much. Now, 
Let's focus our attention on why we're here today. The observance of the Lord's table is very special. In fact, Paul talks about that if we approach the Lord's table uh, not prepared, that um, the Lord does not smile upon that. So preparation of our heart, preparation of our mind and our soul to take the elements and to remember him, to remember what he did for us, it changes hearts. It is not a ritual. It is a remembrance symbolically that should inspire us to do all that we possibly can to be followers of Jesus, to radiate his hope and his light, and with compassionate care, even symbolically wash the feet of people, caring for them by whatever way. And so this morning, as we uh, prepare for uh, the observance of the Lord's Supper, I would ask you to join me in prayer. A few moments of silent prayer so you and God can connect. You and God can talk about whatever needs to be talked about, just between you and he. And then I'll lead us in a closing prayer, and then we'll begin through singing, through listening, and through observance to experience the presence of God this morning. Let's pray. Father, we come this morning with a, uh, a joyful heart, a heart full of hope, because you're the one that gives us hope. It's the only way that we can enter a world that uh, seems so dark at times and confused, and yet, Father, it's the very place that you want your, your followers to be lights of hope and encouragement. Father, help us not to be afraid of the world, but rather to have confidence because you and your spirit live inside of us to be the people that you've called us to be, to go and make disciples wherever. And Father, to teach them, to disciple them, to baptize them, all in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Father, we can do that because we know that you are with us every step along the way we are never alone and so this morning what we're asking you to do is prepare our hearts father we ask that you would uh, shine your light on every crevice in our mind and our heart and our soul that we might father be prepared to remember your great sacrifice and the resurrection that gives us life and life everlasting so father speak to us this morning in your son's name we pray, amen.
Good morning. This morning our worship through scripture is going to be focused on the experience of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, prior to his arrest and crucifixion. My assignment is Matthew 26 verses 36 through 38. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Now Matthew is the only gospel writer who reports that Jesus said to his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And Luke adds, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. In, excuse me, it is shocking that the Son of God is filled with such sorrow and mental anguish. But think of what he had been through just that very night. It had been an unbelievable evening. Jesus had taken his disciples to an upper room to observe the Passover feast. It started off with the sacrifice of the Passover lamb and the ceremonial meal that went with it. The whole background was the exodus and God's deliverance of his people from Egypt. However, it was not the usual Passover meal. During the meal, Jesus announced that one of his disciples would betray him. No more shocking news could have surprised the 12 gathered around the table. Of course, Judas was not surprised. And Jesus pointed out a little later that it was Judas, one of his closest disciples, one of those he had mentored for three years, one of those whom Jesus loved was going to betray him. How painful that must have been for Jesus to acknowledge that. And then as a part of the meal, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. He tells his disciples that he will not drink of the vine until he drinks it again with the disciples in the kingdom of God. We're told that the group sang a hymn and walked out into the night going to the Mount of Olives. Along the way, Jesus told the disciples that all of them would fall away because of him. Can you imagine how shocking that was to the disciples? Those who had pledged themselves to him, those who had been with him through thick and thin, and now he's telling them as they go out into the night that all of them will fall away from him before the night is done. Peter, of course, objects 
And he says, Lord, you know, even though everybody else turns away from you, I will not. And Jesus said to Peter, before this night is over, you will deny me three times. How painful, sorrowful for Jesus to have to tell his disciples, his chosen ones, that they will turn away from him in his darkest hour. And then Jesus led his disciples to a special place on the Mount of Olives called Gethsemane. Echoing Abraham's words to his servants in Genesis 22, Jesus asked the disciples to sit and wait while he goes to pray. No less than Abraham, Jesus is faced with an overwhelming assignment, one in which he must yield himself as a sacrifice to God. Knowing what lies before him, he wants support as he prays, and the disciples he chooses are the ones who had been with him on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John. And he asked them to pray with him. And it is to them that Jesus confesses his deepest feelings. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he says. And when he comes back, he finds them sleeping. Now with all that is happening, no wonder Jesus is stressed beyond. He already knows he's going to be betrayed and arrested and die. But now all of these things have added to his press, the pressure and stress that is upon him. And he confesses his sorrow and trouble. What a terrible picture of the Son of God. But there is hope. The songwriter said many years later, Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. So I received an email from the pastor inviting me to share with you this morning from Matthew 26, 39 through 41. Going a little bit farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So Dr. Kennedy's email said that 
my theme would be the flesh is weak. At first when I read it, I went, I can do that with the one eye tied behind my back. The flesh is weak. If I were going to write an autobiography, there would be one major chapter in there that would say the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Of course, I can do that. How often had Jesus heard the sincere words of bravado in the few years that he walked with his disciples? He had listened to their earnest prayers to support him and to defend him and to stay with him no matter what they faced. Yet he knew in the back of his mind, the spirit is willing, guys, but the flesh is weak. Matthew 26 had already been supercharged with emotions and high drama, with Jesus announcing once again that he would be crucified. Then there was the anointing with the expensive perfume and extravagant love in preparation for his death. There was the despicable 30 pieces of silver deal between Judas and the chief priests and the Passover meal shared with his disciples. And then during that Passover meal, he said, one of you will betray me. I can just hear their hearts pounding and their gasps and their question, is it I? Is it me? Only two people at that table knew who it was, but the other 11 could not be sure that it wasn't them. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. From there they went to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane. And before they went to the Garden of Prayer, the Garden of Prayer Peter confronted Jesus saying, the others, these guys might fall away, but even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And the Bible tells us that the other disciples said the same thing, big talk. Sincere and wonderful intentions. They wanted it to be true, but it wasn't true. Don't be so sure, Simon. Before the rooster crows, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. God had predicted in Zechariah 13, 7, that when the shepherd was struck, the sheep would scatter. The disciples would scatter, and Jesus knew it. They're in the garden, and Jesus didn't ask much of them. Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But so much had happened so quickly, and the toll took its cost on the disciples. It was so, so heavy. And when Jesus returned and found them asleep, the spirit is willing, but I can hardly keep my eyes open. I want to, I want to. 
I want to serve Jesus and stand by him even to the death if that's what's required. I want to, but the spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. You know, sometimes I feel as if it would be easier to die for Jesus than to live for him. My flesh is weak. Nobody knows that better than I do except for Jesus. He knows it. Paul would later say, those things that I don't want to do, I do. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I find comfort in Paul's encouragement. I find comfort in Paul's eloquence. I find comfort in Paul's teachings. And I find true comfort in Paul's confession because I can relate the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So how do we overcome the weakness of the flesh? I have a suggestion. Rather than rely on my spirit to deliver me, I shall open my heart to the power of God's Holy Spirit. I will not be discouraged by my own frailties. This same Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 12 that God impressed on him that my grace is sufficient for your every need, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. So the issue is not that my flesh is weak. No one has to remind me of that. But that is not the final word. God's spirit, not my spirit, but God's spirit is the final word. And Jesus in me grants me comfort. And in that, I can humbly approach the Lord's Supper with joy and with confidence. If you are comfortable standing, I invite you to do so as we continue worship in song. Shed his beams around. 
Any person willing to allow themselves to be crucified is not in their right mind. Jesus was not in a right mind. Rather, he was in a divine mind. The mind that he and the Father had shared when he was crucified on the cross. Jesus struggled before he was crucified. It's very evident in Jesus' emotional state of mind. As the Bible says, not only was he deeply sorrowful and troubled the night before he was crucified, we also see it when he not once, not just twice, but three times Jesus said to the Father, not my will, but your will be done. Matthew records Jesus' state of mind when he writes, He went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he found them sleeping again because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. The third time he prayed, he said the third, the same thing. Revisiting the scene in the Garden of Gethsemane, we could zero in on several poignant moments as Glenn and Dick have shared. But the one that I want to zero on in this simple fact that Jesus' struggle of going to the cross came down to the simple action of doing the will of God. Going to the cross was God's will. Indeed, it was the will of the Trinity. 
that plan was formulated <clears throat> before man was even created. Paul begins his magnificent hymn of praise in Ephesians 1 by saying, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. God chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. In that choosing, God knew not only who would be born and who would be chosen, but he also knew that our first parents, Adam and Eve, would sin and pass the consequences of that sin on to every person who would be born. And there would be no way for a person to become holy and blameless unless there was a way for man's sin to be forgiven. And that was only going to happen if one who was righteous and holy paid the price for our sin. That would require Jesus to be born as a human like us, to live a perfect life unlike us, and thus qualify to die for us. That was the plan, and that was the will of God, the plan that Jesus willingly accepted. This acceptance of the will of God was noted in the letter of Hebrews as the author quoted from Psalm 40 and put the words of King David in the mouth of Jesus. In Hebrews 10 it says, then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Why would Jesus want to go to the cross? It was because he wanted to obey God and do God's will. But it was also because Jesus knew that by doing God's will, he would bring forgiveness and eternal life to all who would place their faith in him. And in following God's will, Jesus anticipated the joy of what he would accomplish on the cross. As Hebrew 12 says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Taking communion reminds us that Jesus obeyed the will of God. And by doing God's will, he provided for us the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life. As we think about Jesus, we should also think about ourselves. Are we willing to do God's will, no matter what the cost. Communion is a time of remembrance of what Jesus has done for us, but it's also a time of recommitment. Recommitment to follow Jesus and do the will of our Heavenly Father, and in doing so, 
we too will experience the joy of doing the will of God. Thirteen, fourteenth uh, chapter of John. It tells us, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us go. As we move back to the 13th chapter of John, we find that uh, Jesus has gathered the disciples together in the upper room. It's an interesting time. And it's significant because verse 1 in chapter 13 says, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. The time had come. John 13, all the way through, uh, through 17 with the, the Lord's Prayer. He's teaching his disciples in the upper room and preparing to head to the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows this is the key time. And it brings us to Matthew chapter 26, verses 45 and 46, which Dr. Saul, Reverend Schroeder, Reverend Murray has so beautifully laid the foundation for to give us an understanding of how difficult that time in the Garden of Gethsemane was. But he realized the time had come. His purpose was here. The reason he came to this world. And in this scripture in verses 45 and 46, the scripture says, Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And so when... When they go into the upper room and they complete the washing of the feet and, and, and the meal, the Last Supper, the giving of the, of the covenant, the new covenant, he says, let us rise and go. Where? To the Garden of Gethsemane. And when he has gone through this struggle three times going before the Lord, said, if this cup pass, can pass from me, Lord, let that be. But he knows there's no other way. And so, two times, as Steve has said, he says, not my will, but yours be done. There was this quiet understanding that the time had come. Rise, let us go. Do those words resonate with you? In the struggles that you face in being a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, when you read the scripture and God speaks to you and gives you a very difficult assignment or a very difficult obstacle that he says, I will help you through, do you have that same type of commitment that says, okay, let's go, let's get it done. May 30th, 
2017. Debbie and I and, uh, and our kidney donor arrived at the Mayo Hospital in Jacksonville, Florida. We had family around. We had prayer together. And here came the medical, all the medical staff. And they're going to take the donor, and they're going to take me, and they're going to take us to two separate places in the hospital. And I'll never forget that they looked at me and said, are you ready? And my statement was this. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get this done. There wasn't any fear in me at all because I knew that this would change my life. Contrast this with what Jesus said when he said, let us go. When I said let's go, it was to receive a new lease on life. When he said let's go, it was to die. When I said let's go, it because I had a donor that was going to give me a kidney. When he said let's go, he knew he would be betrayed. When I said let's go, I knew the scar was temporary. Won't be an eternity. When he said, let's go, he knew his scars would be forever. When I said, let's go, I knew that I had family and medical staff to be there and to take care and to support me. When he said, let's go, he knew he would hear those cries, crucify him, crucify him. And he would die alone. As long as I live, I will remember my donor, Ricky Bybee, because he gave me that new lease on life. When Jesus said, whenever you do this, do it in remembering me. He was reminding us not to forget his unconditional love, not to forget his sacrifice. Why is that? Because only when we remember will we actually follow his example with that same unconditional love and that sacrificial lifestyle. And so he wants us to remember. as we prepare to observe the Lord's Supper. My question is pretty simple. Are you living that same unconditional love and sacrifice for the Lord Jesus Christ that he has, by example, shown you through his death and through his death, the eradication of sin through his burial, through his resurrection, that gives life everlasting. He says, remember. And in that idea of remember, it says, follow me. He is saying to all of us, rise, let's go. Let's do it. Remember. And as you remember,
be the light of the world and the hope. Father, as we sing this next hymn in preparation to take the elements of the bread and the juice, help it not to be routine, but help us to remember as has been described by these ministers this understanding of struggle of overwhelmed praying so fervently that his drops of sweat are like drops of blood realizing that even the disciples that saw and experienced that Jesus knew that their spirit was willing. They want to. Their flesh is weak. And we get that. But such a strong determination that Jesus said, regardless of the cost and the sacrifice and the suffering, Lord, may your will be done and not mine. And with that strong determination, Father, it challenges us to arise and go no matter what is ahead of us to be all that you desire us to be as followers of the risen Lord. Help us to make that commitment as we take these elements. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. 
Would you please lead us in a time of prayer as we prepare to take the elements? Father God, we are so, so privileged and blessed that we can come united, Father, to partake of the Lord's Supper. Thank you for your great finished work that you loved us so much that you gave your life and your life blood that we Lord may dwell with you throughout all eternity. Greater love is no man in this that one laid out his life. So Father you left the glory of heaven to come down for sinners like me. That you love the world so much that you gave you all. So we are grateful. But I pray, Lord, that as we uh, get ready to partake of the bread, that our mind will reflect that we would ask, Father, let anything, anything preventing us from partaking of this, please take it away. Because this is precious time. But what you did, you shed your precious blood. The blood that will never lose its power. Thank you. Thank you for each dear soul that's here today to partake and bring back memories, Lord, that we'll never forget. Thank you in Jesus' name.
Jesus said, take eat, this is my body. Bread represents the broken body of Christ. The juice, his spilled blood on the mount. Symbolic, it gives us understanding of giving oneself completely. And as we take these elements, we're told not only to remember, but the writer tells us to be living sacrifices as well. It's a lifestyle. And so as we take the juice, Please make that commitment if you would. Jim, would you lead us in prayer, please? Our dear, precious Heavenly Father, Lord God in heaven, you are the maker of the heavens and the earth, and you made us. Lord, you saw fit to send your Son to give his life on the cross and shed his blood for us. 
Father, may we each day reflect on that sacrifice that he made, the ultimate sacrifice for me. Lord, thank you as we partake in this at this time. We just ask you to bless us and encourage us further in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Jesus said, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This promise. But I will not drink it anew with you from now until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. What a great promise. We look forward to that. And until then, we remember. And we are about the Father's business. This morning, God may have spoken to you in some way. Maybe there's a course adjustment. Maybe he's giving you a new assignment. Maybe he just desires you to, uh, to spend more time with him. Whatever that decision is, we want to offer you the opportunity to respond. And I'm just going to be here at the front. We're going to sing our invitation hymn. And if God has spoken to you in any way, and you desire to make your decision public, I'll be here at the front. If you want to make your decision where you are as you're singing, please do that, because this is a decision between you and God. But as he leads, you come. Let's stand for our invitation. sin to hide but you have sent him from your side to walk upon this guilty side and to become the Lamb of God oh Lamb of God sweet Lamb of God I love the holy Lamb of God oh watch me precious blood, my Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Your gift of love, they sacrifice, may Casey comes to lead us in our closing prayer time, I'm challenging you, if you would, to remember all that has been spoken beautifully today, the commitments that have been made, and as we go, 
let us rise and go with purpose of the kingdom of God. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your plan of salvation. Father, that plan of salvation was shown to be completed when Jesus died at the cross, his broken body and his shed blood. Father, in this time of remembrance and reflection, God, we just thank you. Thank you for that plan of salvation, Father. And Lord, now as we go about our ways, Father, I pray that you will just bless us, that you will keep us, that your face will shine upon us, and that you will give us peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.